Welcome to our continuing series, Explorations in Savagery, with our brother Alok. As always, we have a new format today, <clears throat> interactive. So if you have questions, uh, please address them to either of us, generally to Alokbai. And uh, we'll begin. Today's subject is the old and the new creation. And I have a lot to say on the new creation, <laughs> so maybe you can begin with the old. <laughs> so, um, it's basically um, theme-based now, because till now we were doing a continuous line-by-line -line reading. Mm -hmm. So, we have um, completed Book 2, Canto 8, and the world of falsehood has ended, darkness has ended, as they say in the Rig Veda, uh, it has, you know, light has cleaven into darkness and it's all light now. So, um, this is the time when uh, it came to me that probably we can keep it theme-based. So, it may not be one session on one particular theme, no. it can be a few sessions. So, the theme was old and the new creation, but this thought came to my mind also that we are all very well familiar with the old creation. But... <laughs> Uh, what we need is the new creation. So we'll focus more on that. And uh, just to set the ball rolling, people often ask, where is the new creation? What is new about the new creation? Why it has been called new creation? Well, uh, essentially it is new from the point of view of the earth. The supramental creation exists in its own plane, in its own right, with its own beings, energies, laws, if you may use the word law, in, in a state of utter freedom and infinity. So, that creation is a truth creation. It's a creation based on unity and oneness, on true freedom. It's a creation based on love, where everything is centered around the Divine Mother. That's how you know he describes in Savitri. Now, if that creation can be brought down here, it will be the radical change which we all have been dreaming of. So it's called new because from the earth's point of view it is new. At the same time it's there in earth that also Shivinda says that's why he says it is inevitable in the logic of things. It's buried in the depths of the earth and uh, one may ask where is it, where is it? Well it's there in our own dreams. You know, Just as I was coming up uh, Nilisha mentioned something which I was very happy to hear and I can share it probably. She said, I realized that, you know, I've been born with it. Now, there is a dream we are all born with. Where does the dream come from? Because the reality, so-called realities of worldly life, practical life, outer life, contradict this dream. It's, it may be a dream of an ideal state, dream of, of perfection, Dream where all is beauty and light and love and bliss. But this dream is embedded. Like we are programmed to realize this dream. So then what's new about it? Because mankind has labored for this dream, terrestrial perfection. Well, it has labored in many ways, but mostly with the power of mental idealism. And what Shurabindu says is that mental idealism is not enough. It's a veil. It can take you to a point, but cannot take you further. Realizing this, people have taken one of the two approaches. One is that the mind has drawn away from earthly reality and chasing the tail of this dream entered into 
some kind of an abstraction where inwardly one feels this perfection. But as far as world is concerned, it doesn't get precipitated. And as far as the body, it's been neglected. Certainly not. So the result is that there is an individual state of inner perfection within, but something which there is no clue how to, you know, precipitate it outside. Uh, the other day I was watching a video, I am sure people will realize whom I am referring to. The video was about, you know, impact of yoga. Um, an Indian who is an American now. And there was a very relevant question that the uh, interviewer asked him. That, uh, do you think yoga is alright for individual, but do you think it will be, how will it help the world? And I think it's a very valid question. Mm. And we can't just answer it this way that if individuals, lot of individuals become healthy and harmonious, eventually it will change things. That is old story. It has been tried. There have been ideal stages of mankind when, you know, people were individually engaged in yoga and realized beautiful things. But still it doesn't change the world. To change the world, there has to be a world-changing yoga. And for a world-changing yoga, we need the world-changing power. And the world-changing power has to be the origin, source of all things from where creation has emerged. This is the essential logic. Now, Sri Aurobindo has brought this down. And Mother has said very clearly, no one had this before. No one had the idea of the supramental on the earth, being implanted in the earth and, and growing up from the base of the earth. She said also that uh, her body, and she speaks of her body, being universalized. Yes. And, uh, and by, uh, I think she calls it a, a unique contagion or something like yes, that. Yes, by contagion spreading into the earth. Yes, yes. One and of the possibilities mm -hmm. that she Yes, saw. yes. So, also, in Savitri, there are a few quotations about the new creation. And I would like to read those for you. First is from the book of the Divine Mother. Canto 3, the house of the spirit and the new creation. As yet, thought only some high spirit stream. Maybe the page, so you know some. Page 330, thing. page 330. Yes. As yet, thought only some high spirit stream or a vexed illusion in man's toiling mind. A new creation from the old shall rise. A knowledge inarticulate finds speech. Beauty suppressed burst into paradise bloom. Pleasure and pain dive into absolute bliss. A tongueless oracle shall speak at last. The superconscient Conscious grow on earth. The eternal's wonders join the dance of time. And as we go along, I have yes, some more also. Yes. I think a few lines below also, if we can read. It's marvelous. Please read those. He saw a world that is from a world to be. Look the change of perspective. 
because uh, he has already entered into the heart of the Divine Mother yes. where the new creation lies in the form of a seed state which must manifest upon earth. So he is seeing both. He is seeing this world, this creation and he is also seeing that which must be brought down here. So this is that, you know, Shirobindo was well conversant, one with the challenges and the difficulty and the resistance of earth nature. At the same time, he is completely aware of what this new creation is. It's not just a dream for him anymore, but a concrete living reality. There he divined rather than saw or felt far off upon the rim of consciousness. Transient and frail this little whirling globe and on it left like a lost dream's vain mould, a fragile copy of the spirit's shell. This is marvellous. These are marvellous lines. His body gathered into mystic sleep, a foreign shape it seemed, a mythic shade. So he is looking at, you know, uh, this world from there and you can't where is the body you know if somebody would ask someone where is the body <laughs> and there he divined from there that look you know this is the body and Shabindra speaks of that that how he was living the body was only a point of support yeah. and the mother at one place even says that just it's one point among many because every body was at one level her body and she says, we are not the body. Yes. The body is in us. Yes, in us. And from there, and they use the body as a means of support. Yes. This also answers for those who speak so loosely about, oh, now Shurabindo is not there. Shurabindo at one level is never there and at another level is always here. <laughs> I mean, we limit him to the body. Because we are limited by the body. It's, it's our problem actually. <laughs> Not the problem of the Divine Master. Now, I would go to the Book of Love. Yes. Page 408. When Satyavan speaks. Page 408. Yes. But now the gold link comes to me with thy feet. And his gold sun has shone on me from thy face. For now another realm draws near with thee. And now diviner voices fill my ear. A strange new world swims to me in thy gaze. Approaching like a star from unknown heavens. A cry of spheres comes with thee. And a song of flaming gods. I draw a wealthier breath, and in a fierier march of movements, of moments move. Now here, this is interesting because when we looked at Mother, this is what we felt. This is exactly what you felt when you came near. You saw this strange new world swimming to us in her gaze. I mean, that vastness that love just pouring out on each of us. One will never forget these things. And now Satyavan and Savitri, page 410. 
And again we have the new world. Thus were they in each other lost a while. Then, drawing back from their long ecstasy's trance, came into a new self and a new world. And if you go to Book 7, the Book of Yoga, Canto 2, page 486, we'll see again all this the spirit concealed had done in her. A portion of the mighty mother came into her as into its own human part. Amid the cosmic workings of the gods, it marked her the center of a wide-drawn scheme, dreamed in the passion of her far-seeing spirit to mold humanity into God's own shape and lead this great, blind, struggling world to light or a new world discover or create. He speaks of this even in, you know, the secret knowledge, when he describes the yes. world's traveler. Yes, yes. And he says that late will the traveler learn whether to a blank port in the unseen he goes or to discover a new body and mind in the city of God. So The sailor on the flow of time. The sailor on the flow of time. So, you know, the other part is that this is um, inevitable. Actually, um, it's inevitable in the logic of things. If, uh, if creation has emerged out of the divine, uh, as one line of mystic experience tells us, which some religious experience may contradict because it forever creates a divide. So if creation is immersed out of the divine, then it's inevitable that one day creation is bound to become divine because they're always connected. It, it must carry the divine within itself. And that is the logic. That's how Shubhindu says that emergence of the supermind is inevitable in the very logic of things. I think the line is, um, the supermental is a thing decreed yes. and is in the very nature of things inevitable. So, on page 99, we see this, when he describes this uh, whole world sphere, the ladder of consciousness, yes. and how it is the Divine Mother who has successively, by a kind of process of self-concentration, entered into a state of utter self-forgetfulness. From there, she recovers herself, and each recovery marks the uh, one more step in creation. So the last two lines on page 99, our earth is a fragment and a residue. Her power is packed with the stuff of greater worlds and steeped in their color lusters, dimmed by her drowse. An atavism of higher births is hers. Page 100, we are top two lines so even this earth which we you know we, we make a distinction this earth and the other worlds but even this earth has a luminous counterpart and the mother describes this in one of the experiences in prayers and meditation of earth choosing with the supreme and when she wrote to Sri she said this is a 
true experience of earth uniting with the supreme but many of the modern day uh, mystics would not even accept this possibility so there is a true earth a luminous earth which as a conscious being who has you know taken this plunge and become this material world that we know of her sleep is stirred by their buried memories and that's why everybody who takes birth upon earth uh, carries this dream this dream is implanted in earth and therefore the very fact we assume a human body we start seeking for perfection for an ideal state the gods don't care about it if you see some of the gods there uh, i mean i don't know whether they have to pay taxes or whether there is a law for them or not uh, whether there are lawsuits but they are happy in their own typical state not interested in not this. interested <laughs> no evolution there is no dream no. such a life no struggle no dream uh, but here there is the there is the struggle and the anguish and the dream the but, memories and what you say about the earth was uh, a line in a letter that has always moved me from shri arbindu to dilip kumar kumar roy sorry he says the earth is a conscious being and the world is only the form it takes to manifest yes he speaks of that in one of the passages we earlier and we'll come to that after we just finish these few lines we were on page 100 i'll just quickly finish these lines and then we'll come to that that's a very wonderful passage recalling the lost spheres from which they came fell from which they fell unsatisfied forces in her bosom move they are partners of her greater growing fate so sometimes it's not good to be satisfied with our present condition <laughs> because <laughs> we are seekers after immortality after bliss and that's why you see uh, something very interesting which i find about human beings uh, among the many characteristics of human beings one of them is that human beings right from the beginning have been nomads they've been wandering from africa from asia from far east from far west they've just been wandering and even when they have settled they go further they seek colonies and now again of course they keep on moving from one place to another because they're seeking true. for something you know it's, it's it's the promised land you know in fact uh, in ketu's wednesday talks uh, the ideal of human unity he speaks again and again about this nomadic yes. man yes who changes things yes not the state but the individual yes because by its very nature you know we are man is never satisfied with wherever he is whatever he is he is moved by some kind of a dream of course he may think initially that that is the place this is the situation this circumstance but actually the dream is within him mm. and if he can really discover it and means to fulfill it he will build perfection like that story sat prem tells about the fellow going all around uh, asking have you found god have you yeah, found yeah. god and then finally he realizes that oh it's here oh there is a wonderful little it's anecdote of mother in this ah. uh, 
there is a story of Sri Ramakrishna also where you know a man with a lamp goes to every house and says do you have fire do you have fire <laughs> till somebody says fool you have the fire with you <laughs> you are looking for fire but mother's story is very interesting and the lady who, who experienced it told me herself hmm. she said you know she after finishing her studies here she stayed in the ashram for a couple of years then usual pulls and pushes of the world on one side and the inability to understand the complex dynamics of ashram life on the other hand. She wanted to go out. She decided, I want to go out. So when she went for blessings to the mother, mother asked her to wait. Okay, so everybody has come and gone past Then mother calls her. She says, mother picked up a rose, pulled my hand towards her and then putting the rose on her hand, she said, you will go round and round and round and round and round the world and you will come back here. And she put that rose very forcefully in her hand. He says, my God, this is what happened to me. <laughs> Where all she didn't go. She says, but like I could never really be fully settled that this is my place and eventually, you know, came back here. Because that's the dream, you know, we carry. Unsatisfied forces in her bosom move. They are partners of her greater growing fate and her return to immortality. They consent to share her doom of birth and death. Because the moment we take a human body, uh, material body in fact, it is subject to decay. So what are these forces? These are godlike beings. Beings who are immortal in their own right. Yet they enter into the earth play. They know it will be for a while till there is the inevitable transformation. But they fill this dream inside earth. And therefore, mortal beings dream of immortality. I mean, this is what, what the famous question in Mahabharata. What is the most surprising thing? So Yudhishthir says that everybody sees people die, but they believe they are immortal. So, you know, illusionists interpret this story in this way that, see, Basically, Yudhishthir is saying life is an illusion. Look at the reality all around you. Death is the reality. And you can't seek immortality here. But there is another way to look at the story. <laughs> the non-dualist or, you know, people who believe in the Leela of the Divine. They will find this meaning. That he is saying, look, despite death all around, the aspiration for immortality never dies in man. Because it's not this ultimately which has a greater hold. It is this dream that has a greater hold. And this we see throughout, you know, yeah. even much later when death shows Savitri, look here, these mm. philosophies, these cults, these sects, they all dreamed of high things. Look where they are in my dark grey shadows. Yeah. And she says, yes, but you can't fool me because I have seen the new creation. Yes. And I know it will be. Interestingly, even in uh, Christian religions, some of them, they have a saying that death is a door that opens on to life. Yes, of course. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, the mysticism Shobindo speaks about, when he speaks yeah. about the coming of the new age, uh, he, he says what John of Patmos saw, ah. what Shelley dreamed, yes, yes. vision and vain imagination dream, uh, deemed, Beautiful. the city of delight. The age of gold. So he acknowledges that, look, you know, they were, they had foreseen it. But they knew the time is not right. Much water has to flow. Mankind has to go through many wars. 
to be prepared to ultimately receive this new creation and each uh, war each uh, uh, catastrophe each calamity actually ends up cleansing something from man's consciousness you know i see this make this observation recently there was a dengue outbreak you may wonder what am i connecting with new creation but you know it, the same principle applies uh, i would only say that i wish you never see a, a dengue case you know but i have seen in all the patients all the patients that i saw when they had the dengue their state before and their state after it's like somebody has come and forcibly cleansed everything even the eyes glitter and there is a light so surprising the, the body becomes you know as if loads which had drawn an illness inside of course this is a very drastic method i'm sure this is not the preferred way <laughs> but it is there divine uses uh, you know this preparation after the first world war when mother saw these people she said that look you know i have seen those uh, men coming from the front injured badly wounded and i saw that they paid the price and there was the they are ready now for the new creation so the the point is that we cannot uh, escape the law of struggle because it's an evolutionary law so it's not like new creation comes if i get into my comfort zone it comes when uh, we rediscover this nomadic instinct in the true way come out of the comfort zone and aspire for that which never yet has been so we see this um, you know yeah. page 50 51 these are very lovely lines and you know you spoke about the earth being conscious so page 50 somewhere a little below the middle or rather i'll begin from a little above an aspiration in the nights profound seed of a perishing body and half lit mind seed of a perishing body there is within it the seed the the seed of the divine the seed of the real idea which is the psychic embodies seed of a perishing body and half lit mind uplifts its lonely tongue of conscious fire towards an undying light forever lost only it hears soul echo of its call the dim reply in man's unknowing heart and meets not understanding why it came or for what reason is the suffering here god sanction to the paradox of life and the riddle of the immortals birth in time and now come these lines along a path of aeons serpentine see many uh, many times as the mother says there have been pralayas you know creations which have collapsed into nothingness in the coiled blackness of a nascent course the earth goddess toils across the sands of time so we have a double birth and i love this you know as a child in the indian household we were taught this unfortunately we were not taught how to apply it in every day life so on one side 
you will see that you know the roads are dirty and all this which is very unfortunate uh, as a child the first thing that we learnt is that when you get up first you touch the floor and do this so why you do this mm. so my mom told me this is earth so we touch the earth and take her blessings you know you will see that indian artists when they will go on the stage for performance they'll touch the stage now why do they do pranam to the stage because it's the base it has to support my dancing it is agreed because you know when you are jumping others are enjoying but what happens to the floor so she accepts to bear your weight even the weight of the titan she accepts she is a conscious goddess next when you come out you pray to the sun so it was very wonderful and then of course after the chores are over you know you give to cow you give to this you give to that so it was like the whole creation unfortunately what we see now it has been left only as a dead ritual now not even as a dead ritual but if we really lived in that spirit we would understand that we have a double birth on one side you be you know earth has formed our matter and we owe something to it on the other side the gods have consented to help us so we owe something to the gods on the third level the great ancestors have striven and struggled to bring down this perfection into the scheme of earth they are no more they are dead and gone and we owe something to them so in the vedas you have three types of debt that every man owes by the very fact of being born in a body and these are not debts based on any legal this thing so one is bhurin anmol this may be interesting for you <laughs> you must be knowing it of course <laughs> so bhurin bhurin is the debt i owe to earth this is the debt because earth has formed my body then you have pitrarin pitrarin is not about father and mother it's the debt i owe to all the ancestors who before me have gone this way you see when i look at the ashram life and the people who have gone i mean i thank thanks to dilip kumar roy thanks to niruddha they ask such questions today we may say ah how foolish but thanks to them we have such wonderful answers from shirobindo yeah. who are we to judge you know people judge see dilip kumar roy who knows what one would have been had he not asked the questions and cleared the things at a certain Absolutely. level he was a representative absolutely and so are we all representatives so pitrarin the ancestors who have gone before us and then the devrin the the debt to the gods because they help our senses to function they motivate the mind life breath all of them are a godhead so how do we pay it now in the traditional veda there is a ritualistic way so i have my own understanding about it you pay the devrin to the gods by rightly using all the faculties speech breath eyes ears so you know when we see the auspicious not only at physical level but psychologically when we hear the auspicious when we speak the auspicious we are paying our debt to the god they are very happy that look you know this fellow is doing a good job <laughs> our effort is not wasted how do we pay the debt to the ancestors when we don't pursue a selfish mysticism for my own benefit but participate in that great effort you know that's the story of bhagirath where his great grand sires cannot bring down the ganges 
Finally, Bhagirath brings down the Ganges to uh, redeem his fallen ancestors. Now, it's a very interesting story. We take the name of Bhagirath. We forget that there were two more uh, heroes before him who tried but failed. And for whom he is doing? For the ancestors. Who are these ancestors? Obviously, it will be foolish to believe there are 365 children. They are the energies which are waiting in the subconscious nature. The past of man is crying to us. Help us, help us. And that's why the mother says that when we turn our warring instinct to war with, within us, then we are actually helping the past. This one way. And then when we bring that light back into the subconscious, illuminate. So we are helping. So this is another kind of debt that I owe. And the third debt which I owe to the earth goddess. And I think the only way we can repay this debt is by transformation. So this transformation is not for an individual achievement. You know, as long as we are still thinking of, you know, individual yoga, mukti as a goal or individual transformation as a goal, we have not really got it right. It doesn't matter how many lives it takes. This dust which contains the divine must be divinized. And this is the work. So you know we have the earth goddess. Maybe a few lines and then we can pause. If there is a question or some comment we can take. A being is in her home she hopes to know. Being with a capital B. Yes. The divine dwells here. We don't have to go for the divine somewhere else. Mother at one place tells Pavitrada. She says... Pavitrada once says, you know, I have, now I have understood why Shurabindu insisted on this mother. So mother smiles says, ah, you have understood. <laughs> so I am slightly, you know, <laughs> dramatizing it. <laughs> but the essence is the same. That he says, you know, every time I would try to go up, up, up through the plains and I can't find where is the divine mother. Now I know she is here. <laughs> Look, it took all the journey. How can you find it? Is it so easy? People speak, uh, you know, so randomly about, oh, I'll find the divine. Try. People have given lives sitting in meditation for years and years. But he makes it easy for us by taking a mortal body. That's the mystery of the avatar. That also we see later. But for now, a being is in her. We can find here. The divine in this very matter. That's the beauty of this matter. A word speaks to her heart. She cannot hear. A fate compels. Whose form she cannot see. In her unconscious orbit. Through the void. Out of her mindless depths. She strives to rise. A perilous life her gain. A struggling joy. A thought that can conceive but hardly knows arises slowly in her and creates the idea, the speech that labels more than it lights, a trembling gladness that is less than bliss invades from all this beauty that must die. And yet she does not give up and that's what I want to read out. Alarmed by the sorrow dragging at her feet and conscious of the high things not yet won, ever she nurses in her sleepless breast an inward urge that takes from her rest and peace. How can we seek moksha and nirvana and personal gains? 
when she is and the divine they are laboring together for whose sake how can i seek any personal selfish goal and now comes the master line i think as children of earth we must embody this yes ignorant yes we are ignorant and very yes we are tired but look at it ignorant and very and invincible yes. we refuse to give up we refuse to give up hope we continue to hope even while the coffin is being taken to the grave if somebody could shake the dead body and say do you still hope we should say yes we hope out of the grave and the pyre we should we would rise she seeks through the soul's war and quivering pain the pure perfection her mad nature needs this is a supramental perfection a breath of godhead on her stone and mire a faith she craves that can survive defeat people often say oh he had so much of faith but see what happened well what would be faith if things adverse did not happen that is the sign of faith if everything went well yes then that that's hardly faith yes. <laughs> so a faith she crave for that and among the four pillars for the new creation one of them is faith shivendra spoke yes. of four yes. pillars for the new creation a faith she craves so sometimes people have to go through these challenges because faith has to be purified and taken to its ultimate level a faith she craves that can survive defeat this sweetness of a love that knows not death bodies can die but who shall part those who have become one that's what shivendra says at one place no bodies may perish in savitri <laughs> those who have grown one within <laughs> so she she seeks that the radiance of a truth forever sure a light grows in her she assumes a voice her state she learns to read and the act she has done but the one needed truth eludes her grasp herself and all of which she is the sign and last few lines on on page the same page 51 below what most she needs what most exceeds her scope yeah. we have lots and lots of things but what is it that as children of the earth we really need not politics systems governance machinery equipment laws well there are plenty of them man has played with it a mind unvisited by illusions gleams as long as our mind continues to remain subject to illusion we may erect the most perfect system of governance and it will collapse a will expressive of soul's deity not a will which has become a slave to desires a strength not forced to stumble by its speed that's the vital strength a joy that drags not sorrow, sorrow as its shade yes for these she yearns and feels them destined hers heaven's privilege she claims as her own right and now comes the great assurance just is her claim the all witnessing god's approve yeah. so there is nothing wrong in seeking these things to seek for a love that survives death and defeat people will often say that you know oh, this is not yoga yes it is yoga to seek for a knowledge which is so perfect that there is no chance of error in it and a joy that drags, drags not, not there is nothing wrong look at 
you know the aspiration for a joy which is unmixed unmixed bliss is a valid aspiration just is a claim clear in a greater light than reason knows than reason owns our intuitions are its title deeds we know it intuitively that yes we are destined for this our souls accept whatever blind thoughts refuse earth's winged chimeras are truths steeds in heavens you know this is straight also from puranic mythology the steed in heaven which can fly uchchhrava that's how he's called the heavenly steed <laughs> he came out of the churning of the ocean and he was given to bali the titan king so he is the flying steed so earth's winged chimeras are truths steeds in heaven the impossible god's sign of things to be yes why because when we say it is impossible that means something in us wants it seeks it strives for it then we say impossible the impossibility is in the present arrangement of things because of which we yet cannot achieve but the possibility is in the seeking and the aspiration within man so the impossible is god's sign of things to be so if there is anything we can probably or we can just you know any questions or any sharing yes, yes sir i had a question which is uh, I mean, I often hear these expressions like bringing a supermental down to matter and to the body, and also about mortality. But what does it actually mean? I mean, the, the synthesis of yoga uh, starts with a sentence that with a sentence, a constant reverse is the only possibility for immortality. On the other side, I heard about the possibility of uh, very, very good question, very practical mm-hmm. question, and you know, uh, you know, I'll just repeat it in brief that. you have often heard that of bringing the supramental into the body in matter but what are the means the tools there are two possible ways of doing it one is bringing it pulling down as ignorantly we may try because yes supermind is there it's already there now and all that we need is to just plug in and pull it and the mother and shurbindo clearly several times caution people against it absolutely so they said you will break down they insisted on self giving self giving to whom and to what obviously it cannot be done to an abstract force i can't give myself to the supramental force so the method the second method which shobindra and the mother both recommended is opening to the mother now how it works it's very beautifully given in uh, in a commentaries on thoughts and aphorisms is there in agenda as well as you will find it in volume 10 collected works of mother maybe i'll mail you the passage later on where she speaks about love as the power of transformation and then she says that you know it is understandable how it operates when incarnations come all incarnations are essentially ultimately the descent of the divine love and then she says what they do is they centralize that power within them and distributed to other based on their need their preparation their capacity to receive it so what when when shubindu spoke about open to the mother he was actually revealing a very profound even scientifically logical principle though you know i hate to put it like this but well it's a fact what she was doing supposing i am not ready so she would 
see my aspiration or the aspiration is for bliss or the supramental creation or as you said supramental transmutation of matter fine but she would also see simultaneously where the matter is it's right now rolling in the dungeon and mud of subconscious nature so she will take that aspiration and start the preparation process which may be through life experiences through actual instructions through many many ways ultimately when we are ready she has kept that gift with her that now yes you can take it you know like there are two kinds of parents one who just have lot of things and they just give away to the child who is not ready so what happens with the child he just gets thoroughly spoiled and the gift goes as a waste the wise ones don't do that even the kings would tell their crown prince you go all around the country and i'll take a test and i'll decide whether you really deserve the crown or not and when they are ready they say yes you deserve the crown so we have to go through a period of preparation how to go about it we can logically start doing it that i'll prepare my body mind and life and in principle nothing wrong we can do it by our own efforts if we believe that that is the path always this effort will be aided by the grace behind because she doesn't abandon us but it is a dangerous path the other path is i do my effort and dedicate it to the divine mother and then when we are ready as and when whichever part is getting ready she would give us what is necessary for this great change that is the process as i have understood unless uh, you want to add something or anybody wants to maybe add just to close with uh, two lines love in her was wider than the universe the whole world could take refuge in her single heart oh, wonderful so i think we'll pause here and